Welcome to the Asset Management Fridays edition of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. Your hosts, Gary Lipsky and Kyle Mitchell, have more than 45 years of combined experience in operations and management and more than 25 years of real estate investing experience. This show focuses on educating syndicators and apartment owners on how to build systems, manage their properties more efficiently, and become a best-in-class operator. 100% straight talk. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to our Asset Management Friday segment of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Kyle Mitchell, also joined by Gary Lipsky. Also, be sure to check out our Facebook group, Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate. How many times have you thought there has to be a better way while working through endless rent rolls and historicals? Enter Red IQ, who will process and standardize them, generate deep and accurate property insights, and bring you through the final underwriting all in just five minutes. As for underwriting, thanks to Red IQ's new Excel add-in called QuickSync, you can continue using your own model and instantaneously populate it with the data from Red IQ with just the click of a button. Request a demo today at RedIQ.com. All right, today on the show, we have Brian Adams. Brian, how's it going? We're doing well. How are you all? Doing very well. Thanks for being on the show. If you can start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do. Yeah, no, I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having me. So I am a New Yorker who married a native Nashvillian, been in town for about 15 years now. My wife's family has a family office based here in Middle Tennessee. I got into the business after practicing law for a couple of years through the family investments with some sponsors and GPs that we knew locally. I started my company 10 years ago with another New Yorker who married a Nashville girl. We connected through mutual friends and started raising capital, first through a fun vehicle and then deal-by-deal syndication, buying up multi-tenant office properties in secondary markets in the Midwest and the Southeast. Today, we manage about two and a half million square feet and a portfolio value is roughly 350 million total. And we focus on three things. One, capital preservation. Two, getting something in that seven to 10% cash on cash yield range and really focusing on the tax advantages that direct real estate ownership gives to individuals and families. Well, great. Thanks for that background. Let's talk about capital raising. You know, what are some of the biggest mistakes you've made capital raising? Yeah, I think far and away, the biggest mistake I made early on in my career was I had a concept of what I thought was an interesting idea, what would be a cool project and product offering. And I went around and and really crammed it down the throats of my first degree network and was able to fundraise around that. But very quickly realized that it's much easier to scale and you will raise much more capital if you actually take the time to sit down with your most logical network of investors, folks that are you know, likely to give their resources to you and just ask them what they want out of their real estate exposure and real estate investments. Because a mentor of mine very early on said that if you have an idea and it's interesting and it's cool, but you can't scale it efficiently. It's just art and art is not a business. And so I think fundamentally for me, once I realized exactly what my investor base wanted and I started delivering that experience and product to them, I was able to scale very quickly and raise much more capital. 
So did you burn some bridges there or what were some of the fallout from that? Yeah. So once I kind of realized the, that secret sauce of, of how to raise capital effectively to give people that return profile and the experience that they wanted, I was able to raise, call it 60 to 70 million of equity in the course of three years. And it was terrific. We were doing a lot of deals and it was exciting. Anyone who's made acquisitions know that getting deals done is always, you know, one of the best feelings in the world. The issue was I did not, and we did not as an organization, have sufficient internal infrastructure and personnel to manage that amount of AUM and that amount of investors. And so we really stubbed our toe and got a lot of egg on our face because we just couldn't handle the volume. We had 200, 300 investors, high net worth individuals and families, and the performance of the assets was doing fine, but our communication was awful. Our transparency was really poor. Our reporting was god-awful. And once you go down that path, people just assume the worst that's happening with their investments. And so what I've done to right the ship is really pivot over the last two years. And I have an internal controller now who is a CPA with a public accounting background in tax. We have Juniper Square, which is investor relations and CRM. I totally revamped the internal team. And we're very focused on reporting, transparency, and actually what that experience of the investor is beyond just what the economics or the returns are. And it's completely changed the game for me. Well, I appreciate your transparency and talking about some of the the setbacks that you face because, you know, the reality is we all, you know, face setbacks, but what, what you do afterwards is so critical. So thank you. Man, you raised a ton of money, you know, pretty quickly. Tell us, how were you able to accomplish that? What, I mean, did you have relationships beforehand or whatnot? Because that's a significant amount. Yeah, so I had a huge benefit of just marrying my wife and being able to access that network. So one of the hardest things my father-in-law ever did, he's the patriarch of the family office, but ultimately one of the best things he ever did was he invested a fairly good size amount of money with me. And then he made two introductions and he said, you can tell everybody in town, you can tell the entire world that I'm an investor with you. But beyond that, and these two introductions, you're on your own. So I was grinding it out on coffee meetings, lunches, dinners, trying to get that warm intro, trying to get that referral, trying to get no's, phone calls on the road constantly. And it was really hard. But I realized that the minute that you can start being a resource to that person beyond just showing them a real estate deal and you start building that karma, I would always try to make at least three to five introductions for every coffee meeting I had to try to help that person out. And once you start building that positivity and that experience in their mind, they're much more likely to open up the Rolodex for you. And so it takes time and you need to be really diligent and thoughtful about it. But once you start making those introductions, it will always come back in your favor. In terms of how I was able to raise the capital and how I'm continuing to raise the capital, it goes back to my earlier statement, really understanding exactly what that investor base wants and what their pain point is, right? Oftentimes, I found that high net worth individuals and families, they had a lot of exposure to triple net retail. They had a lot of exposure to multifamily. They probably did some single family. But for whatever reason, in the office sector, their only options were a KKR or a Blackstone fund of funds, 
or a one-off deal that their buddy was bringing them on the golf course. And so I was able to you know, really bridge that gap and bring institutional deal flow, institutional style asset management reporting to that accredited investor space and was, you know, continue to do that moving forward. Fantastic. You mentioned Juniper Square. Are there tools that you use to help you be successful? Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge proponent of LinkedIn. You know, that's how I met you all. And that's how I continue to, you know, quickly make really, really good positive connections and stay top of mind to a lot of people. But we use Slack, we use Asana, which is a task management tool. Juniper Square has been incredible. And we continue to look at other prop tech type of products like VTS and some others. But I would say Juniper, Slack, and LinkedIn are probably the most efficient for us. Excellent. All right, I'm going to pass it over to Kyle to take us home. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz and we'll start the conversation. All right. We ask every guest this final question. Brian, what is your asset management superpower? So I am lucky enough that I now have an actual team of really smart people who are you know, CFA certified and have masters in real estate that handle the asset management day to day. So I'll answer the question that I want you to ask me, which is, how do I manage the assets in terms of the investor base? And my kind of secret sauce special power is I will always be able to introduce you or refer you to somebody that can help solve the problem that you have. And an adage in the family office space is, you know, would you rather have the money and the problems or not have the money and still have the problems? Because at the end of the day, individuals and families all have issues. They all have problems that they want solved. And my superpower, my, my magic is I can run through my mental Rolodex and always make a mindful and helpful introduction for my investors. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, your network is your net worth, right? And so I always say that I'm one step closer. Every person I meet, I'm one step closer to solving my next problem. And that's kind of exactly what you said there. So that's great. Well, Brian, thanks for coming on, talking to us a little bit about capital raising. Today, the main thing I really learned is just it's the investor first, right? Whether it's solving their pain point or adding value back to that investor. And so that was a huge takeaway for me. If you can tell the listeners a little bit more about where they can find out more about you. Yeah, I'm extremely active on LinkedIn. So you can look me up, Brian C. Adams, Excelsior Capital. We have a website, obviously, excelsiorgp.com. Feel free to message me. I will you know, try to be helpful and tell you, you know, all the things I've learned about how to raise capital. I think probably more helpful is, is to try to help tell you what not to do <laughs> because <laughs> at the end of the day, we have time, right? That's the most valuable asset we have. And if I can save you some time of not going down certain rabbit holes, I'm happy to do it. Yep. Perfect. All right. And thanks to everyone for listening in. If you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher. Give us a rating, subscribe, and review so we can continue to grow the podcast. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Group on Facebook so you can reach Kyle and Gary and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. 
subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, go to aptcapitalgroup.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Gary and Kyle, sign up on the contact page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.